Ah, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world Welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast Woo! Today on episode 247 I was very lucky, privileged to have uh, Carrie Lynn uh, Hodson on the podcast She is her, she is an interview coach, a leadership coach And yeah, all round a great lady Uh, We talked about many things about, yeah, basically people How they should be doing their job hunting, what they should be doing uh, Basically personal responsibility and yeah, leadership as a whole uh, We basically had a good conversation And I've got to say, I really enjoyed it I look forward to talking with her in the future About other subjects and other topics in indeed But yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy the show And yeah, here we go Peace Aha. Oh Hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In Day Out podcast, woo, today on episode 247, I'm very lucky to have uh, Carrie Lynn uh, Hudson, I have to say it like this because like uh, yeah, like when uh, the name, when I hear like the way it's broken down, uh, my lady is n- named Carolyn so I, I said the whole oh, jump I'm making in my head. So I have to go, ah, she is, ah, oh, she has been in the HR game for a number of years. And yes, like she doesn't look like she's been in the game for that long. But yes, 25 years. And like, yeah, interview coach as well as a author. How are you today, milady? I'm very well, thank you. And I love how you say my name. Oh, well, I'm... What can I say? Uh, it takes a great deal of mental practice on my part. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, yeah, I have to say, yes. 25 years in an industry. It's one of those things which is a rarity these days to like have that sort of going on. Like, what made you stay in this sector for 25 years? Well, I'll add a little disclaimer. So I stayed with the same organization for 25 years. Um, The first 17 years, it was more public service. So I was serving people on the outside of the service. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that I wanted to invest my energy in people within the organization. So I went back to school again and took uh, human resource management and became a senior HR manager. Ah. So that was probably the last seven to eight years of my career. But in total, the whole thing was always coaching, mentoring, teaching, um, supervising. So yeah, I, I dealt a lot with people and I loved it. I, I love watching people live to their potential and helping them get there. Mm, live to their potential. Like this yep. is the thing, like living to someone's potential is a hard thing to do at times. Like when you're on the sort of HR side of things, like I, your previous, like, long career beforehand Mm -hmm. like what did you like what was the sort of different perspective you picked up being in the realm of HR yeah um I realized that every single person within your organization is an individual Mm. and if you try to apply you know, set rules or set procedures. We all have to have policies and procedures, obviously. 
but there's gray areas. Absolutely nothing is black and white because people have diversity to them, whether it's their background, their education, their family status, um, what they're dealing with right now. Mental issues were a big one. And I think if we just acknowledge it, every single person within their lifetime at some point is going to need a hand up. So just give it to them. Mm. These are your employees and they're valuable and they're wonderful. And it was just fantastic to be able to watch people um, really flourish if we supported them. So yeah, I, I loved every minute of it. I loved the people that I met, um, whether it was me just meeting them because they were interested and I'm trying to hire them. And then you carry them through your whole career, mm. um, right to retirement and all the bumps and curves and stuff in between. Yeah. Yeah. I must, it must be interesting to see like when like you bring someone in as a fresh hire, seeing how they sort of step forward, like uh, basically grow as an individual. Um, is it one of those things where you're kind of a proud mama bear? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a proud mama bear, even when I was doing the interviews. So um you know, just as an aside, but that's actually why I started the interview job mm. because I'm a mom. I've got four kids. We're a blended family. I've got grandbabies. Um, I just, I love watching people grow into their potential. So I've done all this work. We posted the job. I see all these resumes. We screen people. We bring in the top 10, top 20, whatever it is. It was hard to watch as a mom when people were literally crumbling in front of me. They're so nervous. They're blanking out. They can't think of what they're supposed to say. They're giving me completely the wrong answer. And you just want to shake your head. And say, no, no, wait, you're not listening to the question, but I can't obviously. Um, and so, and this is people's dreams. Like, these are their careers. This is the stuff they've been, they went to school for four or five years to get this job. And I know partway through the interview, there's no way because they're not proving to me that they can do it. I have no idea who they are. They're, it's not coming across. So yeah, the mama bear part started right at the beginning. I, I don't even have to have hired you and I'm still invested in you. <laughs> yeah, I find where, like with you, when you look at the sort of interview process, sort of from the outside, when you're in it, you, you're in it. You can't really go back <laughs> yeah. up. Oh, let me take a quick observational tour of what's going on. It's happening in real time and yeah, it's coming thick and fast. But mm -hmm. when people are just there, just like, going, okay, yeah, I'm asking these questions. And sometimes I think people get themselves caught out because they are trying to sell what they think that person wants, but they're not really sort of being truly authentic about who they are. Uh, you mentioned it with you don't really know who that person is. It must be a tricky one on that sort of side of things, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, it's hard because we've only got half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour max. So mm -hmm. and people will say, well, I didn't really get to bring across my personality because I was so nervous. You think that I'm a really nervous person when in reality, I'm quite confident and I, you know, very self-assured, but I didn't see it in the interview. And unfortunately, I don't get to meet the real you. Um, because the reality is I've only got a few minutes. I'm meeting you now. You have to sell yourself to me. You've got to bring across that fabulous personality. Like you have, it's got, it's got to exude. Like I'm already getting a feel for who you are. If in the interview, you sound like a mouse and you're not confident and your answers are three seconds long. 
I'm not getting a whole lot to play with. I, I don't, I don't know who you are. Mm. You can put anything on a resume, right? Well, yes. <laughs> I'm like, this is a thing. I'm, I'm sure uh, people who are listening out there have put out many a thing on the resume. Which yeah. They're like, hey, can you do this? Sure. Uh, yeah. No, but it's on your resume right there. Why did you put it down there? I'm, I'm sure you may have already came across that a couple of times. Well, and people hire people to do their resumes. They hire people to write their cover letters. So it's not even you writing it. Mm. And then when I ask you about it, or I ask you, an interview is all about demonstrating the skills. So on here, you've screened in because you say that you have an expertise in this, you have training in that, you've got five years of experience in this. Well, now I'm going to ask you to prove it. And that's how I've designed my questions. And I'm also going to ask you to link it to the job you're applying to. So you better know what you're applying to, because that's another mistake people make. They just keep sending the same resume out and they get into the, re- the interview. And I say, tell me about the roles and responsibilities of this job. And they start listing things that aren't even in the job description. We don't do that. Mm. So you don't even know what you're applying for. And you can't prove the skills that you have on your resume. Literally within the first two to three questions, your panelist has got a pretty strong feel for whether or not you're going to rock this. It's not that you can't be nervous. Of course you're nervous. We're all nervous, but you can still bring across detail in your answers. Even if you're nervous, if you're nervous, I'm going to do everything in my power to calm you down, right. To make you feel self-assured and confident. And you've got this, but I can't ask you questions that aren't written there. I can't say, okay, wait, you forgot to tell me this. No. Yeah. That I'm not being objective. Yeah, no, I hear that. And like, this is the thing. I think one of the like the pitfalls I think many people fall into, especially if they are doing that sort of job hunt and depending on how urgent they need that job, uh, if they are going into blanket job, like job sending out, and trust me, I have played that game. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's one of those things. And this is, it's easier to do it when you're outside of it rather than inside of it uh, to like, Oh yeah, look, you want, you want a job as like, and you might need it as quickly as possible, but you got to really make sure you know what you're doing with regards to your application, taking it step by step. And this might be some, it might be an actual gateway to like going on to something quite epic in Mm -hmm. like a job role. But if you're just like, yes, Here's my CV. Here's my CV. Here's my CV. Here's my CV. Cover letter, which only changes the names. Or, it, or they forget <laughs> to change the name and it's still addressed to the last company. That's that's a bad one, too. Oh. <laughs> now, and think about it. Um, so the job you're applying for requires detail. Yeah. It requires, it's got a level of risk to it and we don't want any errors. And you hand in a resume that doesn't even apply to this job. It's got the wrong date on it, the wrong name. It's got the wrong position title because every place has got, even though the jobs are similar, they probably changed the position title. If you can't get that detail right in your application, it's going in the garbage. I guarantee it. Organizations will throw it out. Mm. So then people are frustrated because this process is taking so long. I keep sending it out. I'm not getting any phone calls for interviews or I do the interview and I didn't get the job again. Right. Because you're not investing your time and energy in the right thing. Interviewing is something I tell people it's a skill. Yeah. I'm going to teach you a skill. You're going to use it for the rest of your life. 
but you need to invest in you. You've invested so much money in this resume. Like how much did that education cost? How much did all that experience cost? How much did that piece of paper literally cost you in money, time, and experience? A lot. And now you have to go do the interview. Well, you need to, you know, spend some money, spend some time in learning how to do it. And I can teach you. So one of the things you talked about was, um, you know, that wrote just like sending everything out, sending everything out. Indeed. Oh, and it's so true. And I, and I completely get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've spent, I've had to apply for jobs. I've spent hours on those friggin' resumes and the applications and it's frustrating. But if you do it the right way, you literally are pointing things out for that panelist before they've even met you. You've made all the links. You've taken the job description and you've linked it to what you can do and you're selling yourself in that cover letter. Mm. Well, now I want to open the resume and now I want to meet you. So it's worth it. But I think the thing I, I realized in HR is though it seems like easy to me. Like I understand what you need to do. People don't understand what they need to do. We were never taught this. Did you ever have resume writing and interview practice in school? No, it's like, it's one piece of some of the things, well, like that can take me down the whole rabbit hole of a lot of things that school doesn't teach you. Fair enough. Uh, basically, Fair enough. In, yeah. like, interview techniques, finding the job, basically finan- like financial literacy. I, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how it is in Canada, like Canada but I yeah. don't think it's really a thing. Uh, and in any country, I've actually spoken to people. It's just like, yeah, they're, they're conditioning you to get a job, but they're not actually conditioning you to like know what to do with your finances or basically how to get that job uh, or where that career should lead you. It's like, yeah. And I think that's really um, important. I was just talking to another young lady um, last week about um, a lot of courses that people are taking. College and university, they're a market. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're marketing to students yeah. and they know which, which courses are kind of like the hot topics right now. Um, so you need to realize there are probably 2,000, 3,000, 10,000 people graduating each year from that same program. So it's a flooded market. All of those resumes coming in are going to look quite similar to me. You've all got the same education, the same basic experience. So how are you going to differentiate yourself? Mm. And it's so important. So it is something I want to teach people. um, And I've devised a whole bunch of ways for people to try to learn it. Because if you learn it right the first time, you're going to use this throughout your career. Now you get the the first job. Well, now you want to, you know, promote yourself for a higher job or a different level or a different, you know, experience. Well, you're going to know how. And you're just literally going to keep building that resume throughout your life because you know what you need to do or what examples you need to build on to build the resume to match the job that you want to get. Mm. I hear that. I hear that. Now, this is the thing, like building the resume, like, okay, you may have, like, people may have been working in a sort of different sector for a number of years and say they want to transfer to a new sector. Like, what would you say to someone like bridging that gap? You touched on some things just now, but what would you say to that person? You, you want to go from here to here? What would you say to them? I would say start ahead. So, you know, a year, six months minimum, 
start pulling job descriptions for jobs that you think you'd be interested in. What, what is the field about? What do they expect? What do they need? And then what I teach people is on my website, I've actually got a PDF people can download and I'm literally getting you to cross-reference. What do I have? What do I need? How am I going to get it? What are my examples? And literally start very systematically figuring it out. Um, so I can give you a really real example. Um, my first uh, career was in policing. So I'm going to convince senior management that I can go from a policing career to the head, like top head of HR. Like maybe there's some similarities, but I probably don't have you convinced right away. So I literally sat for a month with that job description, with every policy and procedure, with every example that I had, and I created links for them. It's not their job to create the links, it's my job. I need to show you how experiences and examples that I have are going to make me not only proficient in this job, but a completely unique, you'll never find anybody like me. Mm, I, I love that because like, this is the thing, look, the whole thing is like, there are people most really looking for that sort of quick fix answer. And like, this is the thing, uh, when you go, yeah, I spent a month, that is not a quick fix uh, whatsoever. But I think it's a case of, it's, I've, I would say it's most probably the minimum requirement to do because like the whole thing is if you really want a job in a particular sector for a particular company and like I've heard like um, there's a company called Huel. Uh, basically they do these sort of food drinks and stuff like this and I was listening okay. to a podcast with the founder and he talked about this, uh, this lass who basically took the Huel label got like worked out the fonts and everything like this and basically put her whole CV as the, like the label. And like, nice. it was like, to, as you say, to stand out one to stand out, but two, it just showed she got the, I, the sort of philosophy and idea of the company, what it was about. And that I have no idea how much time that took. You didn't meant that. He, I don't know if he like asked her how much time it took, but it wasn't something which was simply like, okay, edit for five minutes, print and send, uh, you know what I mean? And to go, like, it took you a month to like, oh, I need, these are the key points and this is how it matches with my job, like my previous job, like patrolling the streets as a like police officer, which it's kind of like chalk and cheese uh, mm -hmm. to say the least. And I don't know if a number, I don't think, I would say the vast majority of people, a month? <laughs> no. Well, and that was because I knew how to do interviews. Ah. So if I need to first learn how to do interviews, what the process is, then I need to invest time in that. So one of the things I tell people is when I get candidates, so I work one-on-one -on -one with candidates who are going for interviews, I coach them. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is ask, so why do you want this job? What, what interests you? What is it about this that excites you? Why, why does it fit with who you are as a person or where you want to get in life? Ask yourself those questions. And if you can answer them and they're genuine and it's not just, I just want the money. There's a real reason I want this job. Well, then invest in yourself. This is all about you. So if you want it, take the time to get it. Yeah, you deserve it. Um, and the other piece that 
if you do this type of work, your example is great um, of the female that does that, you know, matches it to the logo. Because what she's also doing is proving other soft skills. She's proving that she's incredibly innovative. She is very creative. She thinks outside the box. So even though they didn't maybe ask questions about it, she proved, she proved it. Mm. If I spend a month or six months on my interview skills and getting ready and I go and I take courses because I didn't have certain things that I realized, I realized I don't, I'm not very good at Excel, which is true. Um, and it, uh, I'm terrible. And if I need that in a job and it says right in there that I have to have a higher than proficiency level, well, then I'm going to go take a course and I'm going to learn how to do it. And I'm going to mention that in my interview, because now I just proved to you, I'm a self-starter. I'm a learner. I'm willing to take my own feedback. In this case, you're not very good at this. You need to go and learn it. And I'll act on it. Hmm. wonder if I'm the kind of employee you want to hire, mm. right? Like there's things that you can do and explain about yourself that you make me very interesting. It's, it's not just that you've got skills and experience. I'm seeing all those qualities about who you are as a person and your drive that I, I want to see in employees. Yeah, I think that's what driving employees. And I think uh, there's another example which comes to mind. There was this sales coach. Um, don't ask me. I can't remember the name of the podcast. But he goes, yeah, I go into organizations and I get and I tell the actual people who do sales. Mm-hmm. This is why they're in like, in, like yeah, the, the course will cost this much money. And it's up to you to pay the courses, not your employers. And it's kind of like, huh? <laughs> like, and not my, when I heard that, my reaction was, huh? But when he explained, it was a case of, yeah, but it's a case of, it's, I think it was like a 500 pound investment. It's a 500 pound investment. And the skills you'll pick up from this will lead to more money at the end of the day for the person. Mm-hmm. But it's like that sort of like, um, okay, when, like, when are you going to be proactive rather than passive when it comes to like, like not even investing in yourself, but just believing in what yourself. And I think that's m- much of many of people's problem when it comes to sort of the work job market. It's like, yeah, do you believe in yourself? If so, be prepared to invest in yourself and see how far you go. And like, look, I would, full disclosure, I'm guilty of that myself, you know? Like, and if anyone's like, oh, get, why are you getting on your high horse? No, it's like one of those things where I think people need to sort of really sort of sit down and, you know what I mean? Be honest with themselves, you know? Well, and I think too, unfortunately, a lot of the candidates that I end up working with mm. they come to me because they realize they're not doing well. You know, they've tried for this job two or three times and they can't get it, or um, they're always ending up second or third in the competition. And so now, you know, they're questioning themselves. It's like that imposter syndrome. Well, maybe I can't really do this. They don't want to hire me. I don't have the confidence. And so a lot of the work we have to do is rebuilding that. Yeah. Well, and I'm okay with that. And we will absolutely get you through. And I tell them, you know what, just because you had one crappy interview, don't give up on your dreams. Let's do this. We got this. Um, but why put yourself through that if you don't have to? Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's let's give yourself the skills and equate it to anything else that you do. 
um, whether any sport, anything you've ever wanted to do. If hockey, that's what we play in Canada. So, oh, really? Really? <laughs> um, Wait, so it, does it involve some sort of ice as well? <laughs> yes. And it's frozen lakes. Um, but if you didn't know how to play the game and you didn't know how to skate and you didn't know what a puck was and you didn't know how to put the equipment on, mm. well, would you just jump out onto the ice and try to play a game? Not likely because A, you'd look like an idiot because you're going to be on the ground. Um, and the puck's going to be going all around you. And, you know, you'd probably take a few lessons, mm-hmm. you know, work with somebody. So we do it in certain aspects. But then we think somehow just because we took the education and we have some experience, we'll be able to rock the interview. And, and no, it's, it's a skill, just like every other skill. And it's okay if you don't really understand it. I'm here to teach it to you. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, with regards to the skill you are teaching with regards to interviews, um, let's like, not to be a like, forebear of doom and gloom, but the next six months, I think the next year, it's going to get really tough out there because look, <laughs> we've gone through a real healthy time when like the job, like the global jobs market where, yeah, uh, pretty much you could walk in to a number of organizations and they're like, yeah, we need, a, like, we need someone. Here we go. That doesn't matter. But like, I've like, I don't know if you've heard the sort of the drums of, session uh like being called over in canada but in the uk i'm hearing in the us and throughout the whole of europe the recession word has been talked about you know yeah no for sure i mean our country spent you know billions of dollars on the pandemic um so we're all going to be if that was our household income, I mean, we'd all be short, right? I mean, we just don't have the money anymore. The other piece that goes with the Great Recession that I think people need to recognize is that employers have been burned quite a few times. Yes, they didn't have employees because a lot of people had left. Mm. So they were very quickly trying to hire. And the reality is people were coming in through the door, getting the jobs that probably didn't have the skills, didn't have the experience, just thought, hey, I can do this. I'm going to give this a try. Um, And now employers are realizing that this was not a very good return on investment. Um, Our productivity is not where it needs to be. So we're going to be a little more selective in our next set of interviews. We have to. We can't afford this. It's it's too much of a risk. Um, If you say you can supervise and you didn't do a very good super, you know, job supervising our team. Well, now our team didn't function well and we lost money. We lost revenue, we lost customers, we lost stakeholders. They're very real implications for employers. So I think what is also going to happen is that employers are going to be, have to go back to really getting you to prove your skills. And I think it's important too that people understand that interviews have a lot of different components. So if you're applying for a data analytics job or something in the tech industry, It's quite realistic that I'm not going to just ask you to explain what you can do. I'm going to make you demonstrate it. I'm going to give you tests. I'm going to give you um, a lot of data and say, here, put this into a report for me. Show me how you do it. Here's the software you said you know how to use. Well, go ahead and do it. Um, 
If you have to do presentations in this job, you know, you have to do some, some, a lot of customer service or work with our upper stakeholders. Well, here's a topic. Um, please put together a presentation and have it ready in 48 hours to deliver to the panel. I don't, I'm finding that a lot with candidates. Like they're kind of surprised there's these new elements. It's not what they were expecting. And then it's utter panic because I have a presentation due in like 48 hours and I don't, it's, it's on like their, their strategic plan. What's that? I didn't even read it. I saw it in the job description, but I don't know anything about it. Well, okay. I mean, and I, I, I'm not a wizard. I, I can only. <laughs> We've only got 48 hours. Because I'm skill set. There you go. <laughs> right. And to the same point, I'm very ethical and I come from an HR background. I am not going to make you a presentation that doesn't represent you. I'm not making you the presentation at all. I will help you with the concepts that need to go into it. Um, you're going to need to practice it. You're going to need to develop it. Um, so I think this is something that people really need to start to wrap their minds around that employers are going to be pickier and they're likely to add in extra elements mm. and you better be ready for them. And you're not going to get a lot of time because they need the employees now. Very true. Very true. Like mm-hmm. this is like, this is the thing. Like we have been talking about the sort of responsibilities from like the employee, like employee side of things. And like, this is the thing like people like, yeah, but what about the employers and stuff like this? They need to do their, like they need to do their fair share as well. And I think no, it is, it's true because there are some certain aspects of the world which have changed. And I think certain aspects where people are going, it's all, oh, this is going to be here forever now. I don't think so. Because if that recession comes, like the, uh, it might snap back to being like 2019 in no time at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, and I think, when it comes to employers, I mean, if, if there's anything we've learned is that um, through the pandemic, through the great resignation, people want to feel empowered. They want to feel engaged. They want to feel you hired me because I told you ha- I have all of these skills and all of this experience is why you hired me. Well, now let me use them. Don't just tell me what to do. Involve me in the conversations. Let me do some of the problem solve me. Put me on those different teams. Don't just keep coming and telling us what to do. And that um, is, you know, very powerful. It's definitely what employees are saying. Um, I've written a second book that's coming out this summer and it was based on my job interviewing and my HR experience. What are people telling me? What have I observed? What, what mistakes have I made? And what do I think we need to learn as leaders? And so it's called knowing who you lead. And it's the piece that as employers, right back to the beginning of what I said, that Every single employee we have is an individual. Every single one has their own interests and needs. And we need to acknowledge those and celebrate them. And if we do that, our organizations are going to flourish. So we're going into a recession. Well, now's the time to do it. Because that means that your company needs to be even more um, competitive. It needs to be more innovative. It needs to think outside the box. What else can we do? How are we going to stay alive during this? Well, guess what? You've got some fantastic assets working for you, some great employees. You need to leverage them. But we need to learn how to do it. So right back to the way how I say people need to learn how to interview, people need to learn how to lead. And so I'll give you a little aside. When I started, I've been a supervisor 
since like 2008. So we're not going to date me, but long enough. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> nonsense, nonsense. You're, you're, you're merely but a, a sprout in this world. There, I love it. I love it. I'm going to stay on this forever. Um, so I read every leadership book there was. I took lots of leadership training. In fact, as I moved through my career, I was the one now teaching you the leadership training. I'm the one giving you all these examples and teaching the coaches how to coach. And then I move into HR and these same supervisors and these same coaches are coming back to me going, okay, all that crap you taught me doesn't make any sense. I don't know how to do this. I, I tried this strategy and it doesn't work with this person. And then this person comes into my office and they're all angry about something that happened 10 years ago. And, you know, this is ridiculous and I can't get this person to perform properly. And I don't know how to do this. And this team won't talk to that team. That's leadership. And it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. So what I do with leaders and teams is literally, hey, I get it. Because every single one of you is different. So we need to go back to the beginning. I help you learn about each other. I help you learn about who you are as a leader. I help you learn about who's on your team and how all of you are impacting each other because you're all unique. You're all different people. And then we figure out, okay, how can we leverage this? What maybe are we not doing that we didn't realize? And if we can figure that out, you're going to fly. And everybody's going to stay because they love working here. They love it. And they see a leader growing. And leaders saying, hmm, I'm not very good at this. I need to pull in somebody that is good at this. Or I need to admit that I made a mistake. Mm, that's who we all want to work for. Mm. And I think this last era has really proven it. I hear you. I hear you. But I, it makes me now curious. Like, mm. okay, look, when you first started down this leadership, like, because look, what you've said is mm -hmm. incredibly polished, like, like, and basically hammered and tongued through, like, yeah one or two years of experience not that many years one or two years of experience what did leadership mean to you in the beginning how did you see it I thought it was going to be a lot easier I thought you could easily as long as you were positive and gave people opportunities everything just kind of rainbows and butterflies and you know everybody would want to work for you and it would all flow wonderfully and within the first few seconds, you realize that is not at all true. It's hard because you too are a human. And so in my book and in my teaching, I do a lot of data analytics with people and I do a lot of profiling. So we talk about like, who are you as a person? So for example, I'll give you another example. Um, I am not very detail oriented and I am not a steadfast person. I don't like routine. I find it very boring hence all the career changes. I like to um, be very innovative. I'm very visionary. Well, it would drive the people that worked for me that were very steadfast, very policy driven, very, <laughs> give me, give me steps. Let me know where we're going. Don't rush us. It would drive them crazy because I'm over going, okay, let's do this. And how about this? And because I think I'm being that great leader and I'm taking us off. And for them, that was not very effective leadership. It caused a lot of stress. So I needed to do an about face and realize, hmm, I need to learn who I'm leading. Who are each of these people? And as leaders, we change teams. It's, so I give more analogies in my book because I love hockey. So I say every, every season, you're going to coach a different team. 
no two players are the same. No team is the same. So every time we do this, every time you onboard a new employee, we need to keep figuring out who people are. And we should do it right from the beginning because then I'm going to coach you really well. I'm going to lead you really well. I'm not making presumptions about what your goals are. Okay, how many people in a performance appraisal has, so what are your goals for the next five years? Well, I don't know. I just kind of want to work. Wow, no, like you must want to do something, right? Like, what do you want to do? No, I'm good. I just want to come to work and go home. Wow, no, like, don't you want to take a course? Nope, right? Because the leader is presuming what your goals should be based on their own goals. Well, that's not me. So you need to meet me where I am. And as leaders, we were never, I don't think, taught how to do that. And you can read a book. And again, that's like the learning how to skate. I'm not teaching you how to skate. I'm not teaching you about the hockey equipment. you got to figure all that out. You have to have some leadership experience. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in. I'm going to watch from the bleachers. So I'm going to watch this team. I'm going to watch how you coach. And then I'm going to sit right on the bench with you. And we're going to watch this team. And we're going to figure out why that defensive line is not working well. Or why whew, that team just threw you a puck that you were not expecting. And let's figure out what we can do with it. How can we leverage the team that we've got here? Because we've got an excellent team. We just got to figure out what to do with them. And I bet you they know. I bet you they got ideas. So let's hear them. But how do you ask? So it's fun. I, I love it. It's like, <laughs> I love it. Can you tell I have a degree in psychology? I love people. I love like, let's figure out what to find it. I'm not guarded at all with that knowledge. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like, this is the thing with like, it's, and this is, it's one of these observations, which has taken me a little bit of time to sort of get to it. But like, yeah, leadership is just, for me, it's so much about the most of it is awareness of oneself and basically, as you say, the team around you, knowing the people, as you said, around you, but like knowing thyself, it comes down to it so much more because if, like, and I say, I've said this a lot, people know about themselves about 40% more times than not. If they know more than that, if they go, I know 100% of who I am, they've seen some dark stuff. I mean, you, know, you just like, okay, no worries. going to keep an eye on you over there. Don't, but yeah. <laughs> but it's like, okay, carry on. But the more someone knows themselves and knows the people around them, the more effective I think they can be in that sort of leadership like role. Because yes, when you've got a green leader just fresh into the whole like situation, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, like, as you were, <laughs> sunshine and rainbows and all good lollipops, that can come in hard. And those sort of challenges and knowing how to deal with that pressure on the day-to-day because one of the things people don't ever mention, leadership is often a very lonely place to be. And when you have to be that strength, that light, so many things to so many people, and you turn and go, how am I meant to deal with this? Or how did you manage to deal with it? Well, I think that's a really good point. I had mentors, um, and that's kind of the role I want to play for people. And I think now that I'm not in an organization, now I realize now I can do it because when you're in an organization, if you're a leader, you can't go and talk about 
you know, issues you're having necessarily with other leaders in the organization. One, because there's trust issues, or you might feel vulnerable, or you might feel judged, or even more importantly, you just shouldn't be gossiping about people within your organization to other people. Mm. But you're struggling, and you don't know who to turn to for help. And what we typically do for leaders is we say, oh, here, here's a book, or take this course, which is great. And I mean, I've read hundreds of leadership books, and I've cited a ton of them in my book, because there is such a wealth of information out there. But what I want to try to do is help people actually apply it, apply the strategies the same way I do in interviewing, like, you've learned the theory behind it, but let me teach you how let me coach you right here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to sit on the bench with you. So when we have a play that you don't know how to deal with, we're going to figure it out. And I think that's what leaders need. I think leadership is extremely lonely. Um, You're trying to, not only are you leading, I mean, I don't think there's a leader out there who doesn't also have a job to do. We've got stuff we have to get done. We've got policies and procedures and strategic goals and all this stuff we've got to do on a very high level. And at the same time, you're trying to deal with the employee who keeps coming into your office in tears because they're not happy and things are happening either at home or with other employees. And so like you're going from here to here to here to here and you're exhausted. So I just want to make it easier. And I know I can, I I can help you make it easier. I'm going to help you with all that great knowledge you have, everything you know about yourself, all the strengths you have, let's just leverage them. And I think if you use someone from the outside, you can be vulnerable. You can admit where maybe you're not as strong or what you're struggling with. And I think that's really important for leaders. Your self-health is, is very important. Um, Mental health is extremely important. And I have a saying that you can't fill somebody else's cup if yours is empty. So if as a leader, you keep giving and giving and giving and giving, but nobody's filling your cup. Well, you got nothing left to give. You're burnt out. So many leaders are burnt out. So I want to help people not have to experience that. And yeah, let's just work together and do this. And then I'm going to, you know, coach people for interviewing and I'm going to get you some more fantastic employees. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like a circle of job interviews. It's a, it's a circle of employment. Absolutely. Yeah. Because one of the things which has been the interesting wrinkle about the last two years, um, like, and as we move from like, well, as we're kind of in this weird world of limbo of we're in a pandemic, but we're not in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, being able to like be an effective leader where like it might be remote, mm-hmm. out of the office, like people all over the place. Uh, how, like, what would you say to people now in, to sort of like, how can you be a leader to motivate a team which is not seeing each other on a sort of regular basis anymore? You know? Well, and in fact, you may not have even met some of your employees in person. We've been two years. Yeah, you've hired people you don't you've never even met them, and your team has never met. So, um, it's really I mean again fascinating. I find like this the interactions between people. So, you know, like you're on Zoom. Um, if people get angry, all of a sudden their camera doesn't work or their audio doesn't work, right? And they just they can tap out. Well, you can't do that in a real meeting. You can try, but it's, it's a lot harder. So I find virtually it's kind of allowed people to stop interacting in very real ways. 
you know, you just shoot a rude email or you send a text or you make demands that in person you would never do because the person's going to reciprocate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as a leader where it's caused some struggles is you don't know. If two people in the office are not getting along well, you can kind of pick up on the vibes. This one's ignoring that one. That one won't talk to this one. But if that's been happening virtually, you don't even know. You don't know. You haven't been involved in the chain of emails going back and forth and back and forth, you know, and people getting a little heated. Mm. You, you haven't been in some of these virtual meetings because it's little sidebar team groups. So um, part of what I talk to leaders about is the fact that, again, we need to know our employees. But in order to get to know people, they have to trust you. I, I'm not going to tell you things. So for my book, I actually did an employee survey. And I got people to give me, and they were from all different industries, um, and gave me input on things. And one of the questions I asked is, what would you like to have told a leader, but you didn't? And it's fascinating. What, what do you think? What do you think people might say? Well, if it, it depends if it's um, anonymous or like, yeah. Yeah, like, completely what, anonymous. They don't know. Well, <laughs> that's a that's a list right there <laughs> from the polite uh, the also uh colorful let's just say uh yeah but it's one of those things where i think when it comes to sort of not so much confidence to say something but like feel empowered more so to be able to say these things, uh, depending on the type of leader you have, you mm-hmm. might like you might be able to approach that person, or it might feel very authoritarian and approaching or saying anything, especially if you're in an office setting where it might c- come across weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the organization might not go down as well as you want it to. Right, right. shame. Yeah. vulnerability, um, you know, embarrassment, showing weakness. Those are all key things that people don't necessarily want to do. But think of it from a leadership perspective. If people are feeling this way and you don't know, if they haven't told you, if they're not telling you how scared they are to speak up in that meeting or that they're feeling overpowered by this other person mm-hmm. or that they're triggered by certain things that are happening in the office or certain comments that are being made. If you don't know that, your team is not going to have the synergy it needs to have. You've got to get to know it. So you need to start by yourself. You need to start with, this is who I am. Be vulnerable and explain it to your employees. I have realized in all my leadership training and now working with a coach, here's things that maybe I didn't do as well as I thought I did. I was frustrated with everybody when I asked for ideas and nobody spoke up in the meeting. Nobody. So then we go, we make a decision. And then I hear two weeks later, everybody's grumbling about it because this never happens, right? <laughs> right? Every single every single leader out there is going, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I know that example. That just happened last week. So as a leader, you're frustrated. You're thinking, I don't know what's the matter with you guys. Like you said, you want to be engaged and nobody gets engaged. And I'm just, I've had it. Okay. So what I do One of the other skills I went back to school for was to learn how to be a mediator. And that was the most eye-opening experience I've ever had because all of a sudden I went back to relationships that I'd had with coworkers or incidents I'd tried to resolve. And I realized, oh, I see what you did. I didn't go to the root. 
I didn't go to. So what's the interest and the needs here? The leader is trying to make sure that they have, you know, considered all the different um, aspects of the problem because it's risk management. I'm responsible for up here. I got to bring my decision to the powers that be. And if it's the wrong decision, because I didn't consider certain things, I'm going to look bad. There's a risk to the organization. We're going to lose money. So I wanted everybody here to help me make sure that interest was met. But for the employees, they want to feel that their opinions are valued. They're being respected. So if in the meeting, you ask me my opinion, and the one person who always overpowers the meeting talks up and, and, you know, says their piece. And like, maybe my idea didn't go with their idea. I'm not saying anything because there, I don't feel respected in this meeting. I don't feel heard. You didn't do anything as a leader to make me feel safe. You didn't show me you value my ideas. You didn't give me another way to give it to them because I hate speaking in public. So couldn't I just send it to you in an email? You didn't even offer me that option. Well, then don't blame me for not getting all the ideas. And now you look bad. This is on you because you're the leader. So um, leaders, to, you know, hearing this might be going, oh, for crying out loud. Like she wants, <laughs> she wants me to do more. She wants me to find out everybody and how, what, how they want it. And they, you have to do this for each person. This is ridiculous. But it isn't because the end result is going to be a hundredfold better. And you're going to retain your employees. You're going to engage your employees. Your ideas are going to be better. Your end result is going to be better. And your employees are going to market your organization to other potential candidates and say, man, this is the place to go. This leader is fantastic. You know what? They're not perfect. But when they make a mistake, they tell us. And they come back and they check. And they get feedback and they actually act on it. Come work with us. Mm. Right? It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. But you got to be willing to invest in yourself, just like that marketer you said. You know, will your organization pay for your leadership training? Maybe. But often organizations will only pay for it for the executive teams. So your mid-level managers who are actually trying to deal with all the teams and all the real issues, they don't get it. They get sent on a course with 50 other people. What you really need is that coach on the bench with you. So you might have to pay for the coach on the bench. But... If it makes your job easier, if it makes your team more productive, maybe that means a promotion for you. Maybe that means a bonus for you. Maybe it means not spending hours and hours of no sleep because you've got all these ideas running through your head. Why didn't that work? Why won't this person help? Why, do, why can't these two, these two teams get along? It's worth it. So you need to invest in it. Yeah, I think when you say you need to invest in it, I think people get caught up in the sort of emotional, like, side of that money they have to pay out and like sometimes with that emotional investment it's like why doesn't my company do this and why shouldn't I do that but it's one of those things where if you're adding if you're adding say two to five percent on your skill set it can tip the balance in a greater way and I think it's one of those things where people do need to work on that because like there's like there is something i have to push back slightly on that because like when you go yes come work for our organization an organization depending what it like what company it can be if it's a sort of mom and pop organization Mm -hmm. where it's like one team yeah great 
if you're talking about an organization the size of Google, now the team you work for might have those tenants and that philosophy down, but yeah. other other teams will not necessarily have that. So it's like one of those things where if you walk into them expecting what your friend's been telling you and you walk into a team which you're like going, oh my God, what apocalyptic nightmare I've walked into. Yeah, you've got to be like, it's like trying to find those traits. What they said it is, does that exist in that part of the organization they might go forward in? Like, it's one of those things where that person's putting the time and effort to learn it, but not everyone in the organization does, you know? 100%. And you can't change everyone. Mm. You can only really invest in yourself. But I do believe in transformational leadership. And I believe in the fact that it doesn't have to be the leader who's making some of those transformations. So if you're the new employee and you've come from a really innovative team who has great synergy and you then you get transferred to another one who, you know, clearly they have not dealt with issues because nobody will talk to anybody and everybody hides their work and won't share. Well, you can be that transformational leader. You can go, you know, whether it's back to your old boss and explain, can you talk? Sometimes you have to leverage that. Can you go and talk to my new boss? Cause I don't want, that's not my role. I don't want to, you know, break the organizational chart, but maybe you could talk to them about some of the stuff that we used. Or I really think that to get to the root of stuff, maybe we need to use a mediator because they're already dealing with 10,000 grievances anyway, and people not showing up for work and booking off sick and mad and right. You're already in it. And I guarantee that leader is getting in trouble from above because their team's not working well. So if you can spin it that, Hey, I can help you. We can make this better for you as a leader. I've got some ideas. I'm not saying you're, you're not doing it well. You're, you're doing the best that you can, but I think, I think I know maybe how we could work this. You'd be surprised because the leader doesn't want to be vulnerable and shamed either. Mm. They want a team that's working well. And the people on the team want to work well. Nobody likes working in stress. Nobody. So, and I'm okay with that. I don't care if when I come in, everybody's got their arms crossed and, oh, this is a bunch of crap and blah, blah, blah. Hey, no problem. No problem. This doesn't scare me because I know I can help you. And I literally have started with people with their arms crossed. And by the end of it, I have them laughing because they realize that exactly what I'm saying, they're like, Okay, so maybe that was me in the meeting last week. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely did that. And then we moved to understanding. Okay, now you know you did it. Do you know how that impacted the other person? Do you know how that triggered them or why? And then I have exercises to see, um, to get people to, to open up. They don't have to. And we can do it anonymously or we can do it where people are willing to share and profound absolutely profound. It's amazing when someone tells you, you know, the fact that you keep using that word in the office, it completely triggers me. And so I shut down and I go back into my mind and, and I've had coworkers say, I had no idea. I am so sorry. I will never use that word again. And then the rest of the team will hold them accountable. Yeah. You better not. Cause a, we're going to call you out. And now, so what have we done? We just empowered the team. We just created trust. And it's like a little thing. But you start to do that on your team. People get invested in each other. People understand each other. They don't think, take things as personal. And yeah, you're going to have fun. You're going to have fun as a team. You're going to have fun as a leader. So if you've experienced it somewhere else, well, introduce it to this team.
it, it's going to be a good thing. It's not bad. There's no, there's no bad. No, and like, this is the thing, like, because while we're having this conversation, all like the sort of key tenants, which keep coming out to me again and again and again, it's, yeah, invest in yourself, believe in yourself, and yep. yeah, take personal responsibility to make mm-hmm. things better, rather than sort of sit back passively, take that sort of responsibility. And I think with regards to so many people, they just ignore this on so many levels and it's like you go right okay believe in yourself it's like okay yeah sometimes it's a very hard thing to do because like yeah you might have like the voices which play in around in everyone's head about yes that voice of doubt which sings out loudly when you don't want it to or you might have people around you who are not the best people for that sort of like okay belief process to begin with mm-hmm. but putting that aside if you do get to, to that thing but to go right yeah if you believe in yourself then like yeah invest in yourself it might take the form of a course it might take a form of like yeah putting some money towards like getting some new equipment it might take many different things mm-hmm. but while you've done those two if you don't take like personal responsibility for like, yeah, making things better for yourself. Without any of these things, self-improvement cannot happen. Like without any of these things, growth cannot happen. Without any of these things, change cannot happen. And like, yeah, helping people do that is a very noble thing. I know you're doing finance for a financial incentive, but still, a very noble thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think if people are still kind of on the fence going, oh, I don't know. You know what? Just do your own assessment. Literally grab a piece of paper, write on one side. So what's my current reality? I, I don't have the job that I want. Financially, I'm not as secure as I want. I'm bored to death in my job. I don't like the team that I'm on. I am frustrated as a leader. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm not here for my family. And because for everybody, there's going to be different levels of interest, right? What, what are your key things? What are your needs? And then on the other side of the chart, so what could you do about it? What could you do? You want a different job or you want more security? Okay. Well, then what are those jobs? Pull out those job descriptions. What do we need to do? What skills do we need to get? What training do we need to get? And how are we going to sell ourselves and make all the links so that we can rock that interview? If I'm on a team where there's not great synergy, okay, what do you need to do? Well, maybe you need to go and tell somebody. Maybe you need to be vulnerable as an employee and explain in a positive way to the leader how you think we can enrich this team. And so what, one of the things, things I do, and I really believe that if you listen to podcasts like this, or you read a book, or you watch a video, like whatever your genre is that you like to learn in, it gives you the language to use when you're having those conversations. Because what we tend to do is we blame, you're doing this, you're doing that, right? And then what's the first thing the other person's going to do? Go into defensive mode, right? I don't want to be shamed. Don't tell me what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. And back, we go, right? Here we go again. So read some books, do some training, work with someone to give you the language so that you start with you. I really enjoy it in a meeting 
where I have the agenda ahead of time because it gives me the ability to think through the processes because I know that you need us to be innovative and offer you some solutions. I think I can do that better if I have the agenda and the written material ahead of time. Okay, <laughs> nothing defensive about that. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for pointing that out. Here comes the agenda and the written material, right? Like it's just a different way of approaching things, but now on your chart, I don't like the team I'm working on. Hmm. Okay, what can I do about it? How did I improve the team? I'm stressed as a leader. What can I do about it? I could get someone in to mediate or build some, do some team building or get some trust on this team or help me with some of the stuff that's the tough stuff or add someone to the team because we don't have anybody on this team who's a very good salesperson. We all, we like doing our job. We hate having to promote what we do. And so other teams don't know what we do because none of us want to tell them, well, we need to find somebody on this team that can do that. I think that's um, a very actionable way for people to do that growth and give them direction. Because a lot of times you just feel like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm stuck around and around and around I go and I, do, I don't know what to do. Well, make yourself a map. What do you want to do? Where do you want to get? And then let's figure out how to get there. I hear that. I hear that. And like, this is a thing, like, yeah, building that map, making that happen. Um, yeah. Takes, it takes hard work. It takes time and it takes being honest uh, with yourself. And like, this is a thing like, yeah. Oh, change it. Like, oh, my team's not the good, like good for X, Y, and Z. Uh, wait, is it the team or is it you? And like, if it's a case of it's you, Okay, maybe it's about fixing your attitude or it's like you are in the wrong place and you might have to move. Uh, it might be the team, but yeah. But you've got to remember, like if there is been a sort of constant direction your life has gone in and it's not been in a happy direction, there's only one constant in that <laughs> like, equation of life. And yeah, it, like sitting down and being honest with yourself and going, hey, wait, is it me? <laughs> it's like, or is it the world? Seeing as I've met every, like nine out of 10 people and it's like, gone, uh -huh, it's not gone well. Maybe it's me. And like, maybe I should be fixing like that scenario. Like, yeah, myself on that level, you know? Yeah. And then you just need to find someone safe you can do that with. Yeah. Because it's going to require that you be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, be selective in who you share that with. Because if you start to share that with the wrong people and then you get burned, right? <laughs> they start to gossip about you or they play on that fact. That's not going to do anything for your self-confidence. So be careful who you disclose it to. Choose people you can trust. Or in my case, you know, people choose me because I'm completely anonymous. Like, I don't work where you work. I'm never going into your organization. You can literally tell me everything that's gone wrong, how you've bombed it, what mistakes you made. Hey, that's okay. I'm not going to judge you because I've got nothing invested. My only investment is in you. So I think if you find coaches or someone that you can disclose to, that will make you feel better because it's not about shaming. It's not about pointing out everything you did wrong. It's just, how can I grow? Mm. What, what do I need to be cautious of? Here's my strengths. I'm a superpower in these things, but I know because I am, because I'm really visionary and really innovative, I have to be cautious when it comes to people who want process and policy and steadfast because I can scare them. So 
I need to be, I need to learn from someone on how can I enhance that and how can I get feedback from them and how can I make them trust me that I'm not going to judge them and get angry. I really do want to hear. And if I think I did a good job in that meeting and I still messed up, it's okay to tell me and I'm going to grow. So it does take work, but it's completely worth it. You are worth it. You're worth it. Invest in yourself, get some help in whatever areas you feel like you need some strength building. And you can do this for your organization, for your team, for yourself, for your future, for your family. Do it. Not, indeed. Very true. I, but I am curious like, because like, yes, all everything you said is great. It's fine and good. And like, yeah. So what made you decide to like invest the time and the effort into bringing the book into the world? Well, this this book, I mean, it's 25 years of experience, but it was over a year of writing and what a great experience it was because people tell me, I don't believe in just saying to people, you need to do something and then not do it. So, um, it required me to be vulnerable, right? I'm putting, I'm putting things in that book that I screwed up. Like these are mistakes that I made, thought I was a rock star. And apparently I wasn't because this person told me that I sucked like, and here's what I did. And please learn from me. Um, if you've ever written a book, so you write 65,000 words and you hand off your little baby with an editor and the editor goes, yeah, this doesn't make sense. What is this about? Like, yeah, you need to rewrite this part. Give me a different example. You need to, well, that's what I do in coaching, right? That's what I do in interview coaching. I go, give me your example. Yeah, it was okay. Do this, do that. Well, if I'm going to do it to other people, I better be honest and let people do it for me. And the key is just to stay curious, just to really enjoy the experience because you're an editor. I'm not detail oriented, remember? So I need an editor to tell me you missed a detail here. This is not detailed enough. Give me a better example. Tell me more. That's exactly what the editor did. And it was fantastic. It's now been through four levels of editing And I know, and now it's in the hands of um, some of my beloved mentors, people that really meant a lot for me um, professionally in my life. And I've given my book to them to do testimonials and reviews on. Um, And then it will be ready for publishing and for everyone round about July or August of this year. Um, But I know, like, I will learn every single person that reads that book, I want them to share with me what's your experiences? What did you take from this? Do you disagree with me? Teach me because that's how I'm going to continue to grow. And then what I grow now, I'm going to share it with everybody else. I think that's kind of the point of it. So I think life is a journey, figure out what your purpose is. Um, and then go after your passion, do it. You can have three or four passions. that'll all kind of, you know, bring you back to the same purpose. And I, uh, yes, one of my final questions Hmm. I have to ask so where is your journey going to be taking you where do you see it going I don't know yet so um that's kind of the fun of it it's I know that um I read a book and I don't remember the title unfortunately it was like a good 10 years ago and it was written by someone who was a consultant who literally went into organizations and did what I want to do, like sit on the bleachers, watch what's going on, and then come down and help you. And I thought, what a fantastic way to learn from people and help them learn at the same time. So it's something I've always wanted to do. 
Um, but I knew that you don't know what you don't know. I didn't have the experience yet to get myself there because I, I need to know what I'm talking about and have enough examples. Um, so I know that's kind of the path. It definitely has to do with empowering teams and leaders to be everything they can be and teaching organizations how to leverage their employees. Um, and in interviewing, it's going to be, yeah, you know what? I'm going to help you sell yourself because you are unique. You are innovative. You're not their little carbon copy of what they've always hired. And they definitely need you. They absolutely need you. So let's show them. So I think kind of from both sides, I think I'm always going to be kind of on the outside trying to get people in and then on the inside, helping you leverage your employees once you get them. Um, coaching, training, speaking. Those are the things I love. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Hi, hey, look, it's all good. And like, you know what, like with that, with arming people with this type of knowledge, I think it's going to be one of those things where it will help them over an entire lifetime. It's not just like now, like just for the here and now. And I basically, when like when they seek work, when they're in work, and basically if they want to seek other things outside of work, I think it's just going to be that lane, the, the, the tracks, finding the path for them on a greater level. And uh, yeah, I've got to say, yeah, I really appreciate uh, what you're doing out there. Uh, like, yeah, like with regards to yourself, do you think, like I've seen you've got some YouTube videos out there, yeah. like, putting, like putting out that knowledge. Uh, do you think you'll be doing like more on a podcast type situation for yourself? Or how do you see that sort of evolving? Um, so the YouTube channel, I created that for people who wanted some more interview skills, because I recognize the reality is a lot of people, they get a couple days notice. So videos are quick, easy to watch. You can pick the ones on the subjects you don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't know what to wear. You don't know how to prepare for, uh, you know, a management interview, or you don't know how to prepare for a virtual interview. Well then grab my video and watch it. Um, I like that genre. I love doing podcasts, but I like being the guest. I like well, it's because I want to meet new people and I love meeting every podcaster has a different approach, a different angle, things they're interested in. So I'm just finding this fabulous. I love it. So I think I'll probably stick to that aspect. I don't think I necessarily want to run the podcast myself. I like this better. Um, writing that was kind of new for me because it was very detail oriented, but I did it and I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And then hopefully now that, you know, the pandemic is starting to lift, I would love to speak. I, I love teaching. Like that's one of my number one passions. So um, I would love to be able to facilitate or engage audiences in big groups, small groups. You know, if there's organizations out there that just want to bring somebody in virtually, I mean, we're, you can go all over the world, right? That's the yeah. stuff I love. I, I, I really enjoy that because I think we can have pretty dynamic conversations. I'm not just going to teach you. I'm not just going to tell you. We're going to we're going to talk. We're going to yeah, explore what's going on. Yeah, I hear you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, got to say thank you. Ah, oh, for your time today. You have been an outstanding guest. Uh, to say the least and like yes there are other things will come to mind uh which i most really want to talk to you sometime in the future but not right now because yeah, yeah. yes i've got to 
kind of see where, which way the world goes. Hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully in a sunshine and joyful, like happy place. <laughs> <laughs> but if it takes uh, another turn, yeah, let, let's see what goes on from there. But oh, uh, Carolyn, like <laughs> Carolyn, easy. I've got to. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, yeah, I've got to ask, how do they find? you out there on this glorious interwebs. Mm-hmm. Um, so my LinkedIn account, Carrie Lynn Hotson, is um, a good place to start because it's got all of my different links in it. Um, I also have for interviewer, I have www.jobinterviewcoach.ca. And I'm going to link you to like lots of free resources, those YouTube videos. I've got an online course. I've got my book. What, whatever is your best way to learn, that's how I've tried to give you the information. And then my book, Knowing Who You Lead, um, it has its own website, knowingwhoyoulead.com. You can um, read my blogs. I'm hoping to have leaders engage with each other um, because who better to teach you than other leaders? Let's have some of those conversations. Um, let's talk about like, what are the issues that everybody is finding the most difficult to deal with? And what are ideas? Let's share. Um, there's a wealth of information out there. So I think I want to give people a place to do that. And hopefully um, my book is a place to start. And then, you know, let's figure out what you need from there. Maybe you don't need anything. Maybe something else will help. It's just been fun. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yes, go out. Get in contact with the lady, this lovely lady. And yeah, let's see how far you can go. Ah, like... Carolyn, I got to say, yes, thank you once again for coming on. You have been a superstar, a brilliant guest. Hey. Thanks so much. This was fun. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. You see, this is fun. I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us to the end of the show. Please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Peace. And we are...